Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Sunday special edition on A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., your moderator for this morning, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from New Jersey. Today is Sunday, May 8, 2022. The share ID numbers for Friday, May 6, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 18,930, that's one eight nine three zero and for the ten AM Eastern Big Book study eighteen thousand nine hundred and thirty one that's one eight nine three one. This morning a vision for you presents nothing will so much ensure immunity. Step 12 states, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. We can do the steps from step 1 through step 11, but if we don't get active and carry the message to other compulsive overeaters, we will relapse. The beginning of Chapter 7, devoted entirely to Step 12, says on page 89, Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking, or for us, compulsive overeating, as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. If you look at the Step 3 prayer and Step 7 prayer, you will see that they are really all about becoming fit to help other people. When we follow the path of the steps, we have a new employer. Chapter 7, Working with Others, is basically a manual on how to do our job of carrying this message. Our job description is actually found on page 102 in the big book. It goes as follows. Your job now is to be at the place where you may be of maximum helpfulness to others. So even though we have to carry the message, it turns out that carrying the message becomes, for us, one of the most significant things that we do. We can now sit down with another individual who has a problem similar to our own and convey an understanding and a message that no one else can. We can carry a message of depth and weight to the next suffering compulsive overeater. Joining us today to speak about Chapter 7, Working with Others, is Kara L., a recovered compulsive overeater from California, Kara is dedicated to living the program of recovery, dedicated to carrying the message to other compulsive overeaters, and it's with great appreciation and pleasure that I welcome Kara L. to the line this morning. Good morning, Kara. Good morning, Leah. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Incredible introduction, um, as always. This is Kara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Beach, California. Wow. I I just I was listening to Leah and I just got moved to tears. It is it's with such gratitude 
that I'm here this morning. It's with such gratitude for um, the big book and what OA has just opened up in my life for me and brought me back um, from, you know, the brink of insanity to where I am today. And I'm ever so grateful. Uh, when, uh, just to give you, it is, I am in California, so the sun is just coming up here. <laughs> and I'm here with my crazy cats and a cup of tea and joining you. So welcome to my living room today. Um, if you're new today, oh, don't leave. I'm so happy that you're here today with us. Working with others. Um, when Leah asked me if I would speak, I was trying to think of, you know, what, you know, what should I talk about? And um, I took it to prayer, as I often do. I often ask for um, intuitive thought, inspiration, or decision from my higher power. And this just popped up today. And I love this chapter. Why, why chapter seven, working with others? Um, well, I don't read it enough, truthfully. And so this gave me the opportunity to go back over everything that I had already seen and read and then really look at this chapter again and say, what, what, is, what is the big book instructing me to do here? And I, there's so many, when I was reading this and refreshing um, for today, there's so many instructions in this chapter. And I'm not going to get to them all. And I'm going to miss probably somebody's favorite um, and when I say it comes out of my experience, strength, and hope, um, definitely uh, there's no right, wrong, good, or bad. Um, it's just my experience of living these 12 steps and trying to the best of my ability to follow the instructions in the big book. So um, a little bit about me, just for those of you who haven't met me or haven't heard my story, um, I, uh, I've been in the rooms for about 18 years. Um, I've had all sorts of levels of recovery in these rooms. Um, about three years ago, I worked, reworked my steps again and had just an incredible spiritual awakening. Um, it was a time that, I don't know, my heart and my mind and my defenses and everything just opened to a higher, a power greater than myself. And I really saw a remarkable change in my life and in my recovery. And, you know, and I do use the word recovered because that's how I feel. Um, I do take my daily medicine every single day. And um, just, so, just so you know, I get up every single day, even this morning. I got up extra early this morning um, at 445 so I could take time in prayer and meditation with my higher power. So that, because I wake up in the morning, I don't know about anybody else, but I wake up in the morning and my mind is busy. Um, there are things that are going in my mind and I need to just to sit with my higher power and I need to, I need to connect and I need to say, God, this day is yours. Please direct my thoughts, divorcing them from self-pity, dishonesty and self-seeking. And please, I invite you into my whole day. And I do, I sit and I, invite my higher power into every aspect of my day. And if there's something I don't know, I ask for intuitive thought, inspiration, or a decision. And then I, I inventory anything that's still sitting in my mind 
and I do a gratitude list and I send it off. Those are the three things I do every single morning. Um, and on Monday through Friday, that brings me right up to the uh, 10 a.m. East Coast meeting, which um, you've probably heard me on before. And I, I do the 10 a.m. meeting right after I do the, my prayer and meditation. And then I have the opportunity most mornings to work with sponsees. And I do that for another hour. So I usually take about two to three hours in the morning. It goes by really fast, though. And I find that my day, I don't know, once I sit down and have that meditation, my day is, I just feel like I put the right foot forward to start the day. I grew up a compulsive overeater. I grew up in a family with, oh, so many addictions around me. We were all doing the best we could do. Um, If you look at the definition of a middle child growing up in the 80s, that would be me to a T. Um, I'm not going to detail you with everything, all my insecurities and all my things, but they're there. And and I just moved through life doing the best I could do. Um, when situations frightened me, I stepped up and I either over-organized them, over-controlled them, or com- and usually in combination, uh, compulsively ate through them. And then I spent the rest of the time telling myself that I was a horrible person because I was not enough. Um, a gift that these steps have given me is that it shed light on, on areas and how I used to approach or sometimes how I still do approach. And, and I get a chance to ask my higher power for help. Uh, situations that frighten me. You know, that fear of not being enough. That fear that I'm things are going to go around me because I just didn't step up. Today, I know that that's not my job. My job is to ask my higher power and to be of service in the way that my higher power provides for me, whatever that looks like. And I don't have to be in charge today. And my biggest spiritual awakening was on one of those days that I didn't feel enough and I asked my higher power. And my and I just got this feeling like, Kara, you've been trying to do my job forever. Am I not enough for you? And when I sat with that and I thought, do I think that my higher power is not enough for me? That's when it changed for me. That's when I started to really believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. That's when I made that decision to turn my will and my life over to care of God. And I'll tell you, over the last 18 years, there have been a variety of abstinences. There's been, there's different ways of working the steps. There's, things have evolved. And I think that all those years being a compulsive overeater and then all those years being in recovery, they led up to that moment where I was just so willing and open to accept the help of something greater than myself, to find that power in my life. All those years of working with people, being worked with, I've had some incredible sponsors over the years. And they all those little things, I'll tell you, most of how I work today and how I am in program is from listening to other people. It's from hearing people in recovery who've showed me the way. There's so many little phrases that you'll hear today that came from others. They didn't come from me. They came from being in the meetings. They came from working with people. They came from just listening and being willing. 
um, listen to those special editions. That's how I started with, when I started listening to Vision for You. I was listening to the special editions. There's so many wise words. There's so many things you can grapple, grasp onto. In my face-to-face meetings, I am blessed. I live in the birthplace of OA. There are so many meetings here, and there's so many fellows with decades of recovery here. And, you know, I can remember sitting in meetings, and you can just tell somebody that's recovered because their constants has changed. Their their eyes, they always, there's a, there's, in this book, it says something about their eyes. You just know. And I just kept coming. And I heard from these long timers, don't leave. It will happen for you. And I, if I didn't believe anything else, I believed that, that it, it would happen for me. And so if you're struggling, stay here with us. Listen to the meetings. Listen to the special editions. Do service. Get your name out there so that we, we can talk with you and, and, and that we can be part of your recovery. Because this is where the answer for me is. The answer for me is being in this program together. Walking, you know, this road together. And I'll tell you, when I sat in my meetings and the old timer said, it took me five years, it took me eight years, it took me 22 years. I believed them and I never left. It took me 15 years had that huge spiritual awakening and everything along the way went into that making of that spiritual awakening and it doesn't have to take you that long that's just my story it could be in three days it could be in four weeks it could be in a year you know just don't leave stay with us we're a herd stay with the herd I often hear in these meetings So I welcome all the newcomers. I welcome everybody that's struggling, and I welcome all of my fellows. I'm so happy that you're here with me today. So why did I choose this chapter? Well, I chose this chapter because I don't read it enough, truthfully. I chose this chapter because there's just so much in it. So I thought I would just, you know, today, you know, I went through it the other day, and I thought, you know, there's some definite sections here today, and let's just explore them together. So if you have your book book, I'm going to be starting on page 89, um, chapter 7, working with others. Uh, often people ask me how to work with others, and I'll tell you, my working with others has just evolved and it continues to evolve. Before I start working with somebody, I always ask my higher power, you know, God, show me the way that I can best serve in the situation. Whenever I get stumped when I'm working with somebody, I say, God, how my best serve. Show me the way. You know, um, I heard on a special edition from one of our fellows, I don't know how long I'm going to be in somebody's life. It could be for a word. It could be for a minute. It could be for a week, two weeks, a year, for many years. I don't know the purpose I'm going to be serving in someone's life. And that really gave me permission to just be, to take the responsibility off of my shoulders and just to pass on what was so freely given me. 
I've had some incredible sponsors and I still have an incredible sponsor today. And I can, I can't tell you, I mean, and if I could pass an ounce on to someone else that's been given to me so freely, I will have been of service. And I'm grateful for that. I love the way the big book draws us in. And the first thing it says, you know, practical experience will show that nothing will so much ensure immunity. I thought, you know, from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. I, I, that's a huge problem. Ensure immunity. For me, I could not stop compulsively overeating. I would wake up every morning. I would have a diet breakfast. And then I would continue to compulsively eat throughout the day. And then at night, I would be demoralized. And I would, be, I would feel horrible about myself, exactly as is explained in the doctor's opinion. And I would promise the next morning would be better. And I would wake up. And I would continue, I would have that same diet breakfast, and then I would continue to compulsively eat. So right there it says, ensure immunity. I want that. How can I do that? Well, because I have to work in, I have to work with other compulsive overeaters. Okay, well, how do I do that? And in and, and the next paragraph right there on page 89, it's going to give us a few, you know, the big book's going to give us a few promises here. You know, there's some, there's some throughout the chapter, but if I do this, life will take on new meaning. To watch people recover, to see them help others, to watch loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. We know you will not want to miss it. Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is the bright spot of our lives. Promises right there. Every single one of those have, have taken place in my life. My life has new meaning. You know, to watch, to watch somebody that I'm working the steps with, to see the light come on in their eyes, to see their connection happen with the higher power, oh, it's incredible, right? To have fellowship, you know, to, to, to have contact with newcomers and to keep contact with other fellows. It is the bright spot of my life. Now, there's a couple sections in here, and I kind of just put down, I was like, oh, there's so much. And I said, well, I'm just going to put down, there's a couple things. It talks about, it gives us some hints. And I put those down, a little, little, little A next to the advice or suggestion, S, you know, some hints on and, and how to move forward when working someone. It tells me exactly what the first conversation is going to look like, you know, suggestions and how that first conversation, it tells me Okay, and here's some suggestions for the second conversation with a new person. Oh, and here, here's some things to do with your family. You know, the fa- their family. I, I don't always, I don't usually have contact with my sponsor's family, but there's some great suggestions, and there's some great suggestions in there. So I'm just going to go through some of these and, and talk about them um, as they jumped up to me. And I'm still on page 89. And, and the first thing I see here was like, don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Just be me. You know, share, I'm going to hear this again and again in this chapter. Share what my experience is. I can bring something that no one else can bring. And I, and I do like to believe that my higher power puts people in my life to work with 
because there's something that I can, I can offer. I don't know what that is always, but there's something there. And, and if I stay in my higher power's will and I say, okay, God, show me the way through here. Show me, show me how, how to best serve. Okay. The next thing is, um, you know, a qualification, a cue, right? A little further down says, but it happens that because of your own drinking experience, you can, u- you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful, helpful is our only aim. Right? So it tells me, like, I am qualified. I might not feel qualified, but I am. My experience, my life, those years before and during and after, all, all help me, right? And my only aim in this is to be helpful. I'm going to turn the page and page 90. Here's some more, here's some more suggestions. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste your time to persuade him. You might spoil a later opportunity. And a little further down, it says, get an idea of his behavior, his problem, his background, the seriousness of his condition, you know, and his religious leanings. You need this information to put yourself in a place to see how you would like to be him. Oh, let's see this. To see how you would like him to approach you if the tables were turned. Okay. I need to get to know the people I'm working with. I need, I need to sit. I need to listen and not be, you know, I, a lot of times I like, you know, I'm the know-it-all. I've been through this before. I know how to do this in my sleep. No, each sponsee, when I sponsor, each sponsee is unique and different. You know, I, yes, I, I usually sponsor in a certain way. And I leave myself open for the, for, to be flexible with that. I leave myself open. And how, how am I going to know how to best serve? I have to listen first. You know, this is going to come in in step five when I'm listening to my sponsee step four. I have to really take a step back, take a breath, and say, it's your time to listen, Kara. Sometimes I do. I say it out loud and remind myself because I get on a roll and sometimes I think I know an awful lot and I don't really. So I just take that step back and I listen. Okay, here, a little farther down on page 80 80 and 90, it says, ask him if he wants to quit for good, if he would go to any extreme to do so. Okay, so here's here's something it's telling me to do. You know, before I, I, I take my time and I start working are you ready are you ready to just move forward however it looks you know there's a great question you should be you just you should be oh and then you know when when somebody maybe somebody's referring us it says you should be described to him as one of the fellowship who is a part of their own recovery try to help others who who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you, right? So why am I sponsoring? Well, I'm sponsoring because I want to ensure immunity. But I also tell my sponsees, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't do this because I'm trying to, to, to make you well. 
I can't do that. I don't have that power. I do this because I will go back to compulsively eating. I will lose my conscious contact with my higher power if I don't work with others. If I don't do the things I need to do to ensure immunity. I have to take my medicine daily. You know, and so I learn from each person I work with. I always learn from them. You know, I'm I'm gonna impart my experience and I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna learn from them. You know, if he doesn't want to see you, never force yourself upon him. So just, you know, these these beautiful words of advice, you know. So it's okay, you know. You know, how to find a sponsee, you know. When this was written, we didn't, you know, they approached the families or the families approached, you know, were so desperate and approached. I don't usually find my sponsees that way, truthfully. I don't usually have... Um, interaction with their families unless it's you know later on and after they've recovered and we're fellows and we're interacting most of the time sponsees approach me um and 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 usually i'll tell you i almost never look for sponsees anymore um when it just works out i you know when i'm when somebody's gone through the steps with me and they and they're recovered a new sponsee comes in and needs and fills the spot the vacancy that I have open, and I work with a new sponsee. It never fails that just whatever the number of sponsees I need to be working with actively, um, it just it just happens. Um, and I will say that uh, I usually keep you know I'm, I'm always I have some recovered sponsees that check in with me, and I have um, sponsees I call them active sponsees that I'm in the steps, we're reading the big book and we're working through the steps together. I usually have a couple, you know, you know, I have several recovered sponsees and then a couple that are in the steps. And I need that. I have to be working actively with others in the big book. I have to be reading and rereading this big book with my sponsees because that's how I grow. You know, and I become more teachable and I don't know what my higher power is going to provide for me. So continuing on page 91, it says under, um, where do I want to go? Okay, so it says, you know, so we just talked in the prior approach. It says, you know, we might have to wait for somebody who's jittery or somebody who's, who's, you know, if they're in the middle of a binge. And it says, call on him when he's still jittery. He made me more, more receptive when depressed. And I know that I was more receptive. I was more receptive when my life was blowing up. I mean, that's just the honest truth. I didn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to take a higher power into my life and all is going to be good. No, I had life had to be getting pretty chaotic and unmanageable for that to happen. See your man alone if possible. At first, engage in general conversation. Okay, so we're going to go right now. Here's the first conversation. How am I going to talk to somebody? You know, what, what does that first conversation look like? Right. And, you know, oh, I'm not going to dive right in. I'm going to I'm going to Jane in engage in general conversation. And I heard earlier we already read said, you know, find out all I can about about this person. So I want to know, please talk to me. Let me let me you know, we're going to be diving in here deep and we're going to share some things together. And we're going to there's going to be a trust that we have. And so tell me about yourself, you know. Tell me, tell me all about him. 
you know, and it says, tell them enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences. After a while, and I, I skipped, I forgot an important sentence. After a while, turn the talk uh, to some phase of drinking, right? So I'm going to listen and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to, I'm going to talk about my compulsive eating or compulsive eating. Tell him enough about your drinking habits, symptoms, and experiences to encourage him to speak of to speak of himself. So, please tell me, you know, like how do you eat? You know, what what t- talk to me? If he wishes to talk, let him do so. You will get thus uh, you will thus get a better idea of how you ought to proceed. If he does not communicate, give him a sketch of your drinking career up to the time you quit, but say nothing for the moment of how that was accomplished. If he is in a serious mood, dwell on the troubles liquor has caused you, being careful not to moralize or lecture. If his mood is light, tell him humorous stories of your escapades. Get him to tell some of his. Identify. I need. We need to identify. We need to identify together, right? I need to find that common ground. I need, you know, I need the person I'm working with to know that I've been there. You know, they might have heard me on, on a meeting before or I might be in a face-to-face meeting with them before. And in a recovered state, I look, you know, my life looks pretty good, right? But it didn't look like that. You know, I need, we, I need to find identity with my new, the new person I'm working with. Continuing, when he sees you know all about the drinking game, commence to describe yourself as an alcoholic. Tell him how baffled you were how you finally learned that you were sick. Give him an account of the struggles you made to stop. Show him the mental twist which leads to the first drink of the spree. We suggest you do this as we have done in the chapter on alcoholism. So right there it shows, it says, okay, here's an example. Go back to the chapter on alcoholism. There's so many examples in there that you can use. Use, use my own experience, strength, and hope. If he is an alcoholic, he will understand you at once. He will match your mental inconsistencies with some of his own, right? So again, we're getting to know each other. We're, we're finding, we're finding in the back common ground and those mental inconsistencies, you know, I knew how to eat. Why did I continuously every morning go back to compulsive eating? You know, why when for several weeks, maybe even months, I ate well, you know, on a food plan and then dive bombed out, right? So giving us some, some clue on how to do that. If you are satisfied that you be a real alcoholic, and I want to talk about too is I need to identify myself as a hopeless compulsive eater. I did not have another out. I didn't. I had tried diet plans, pay in ways. I had tried all these different things. I had tried things in a recovery that other people were doing. And until I opened myself to power greater than myself and invited that power in until I worked daily on that relationship, I didn't have recovery. So I have to identify myself as a hopeless, compulsive overeater who's out of options or real alcoholic. If you're satisfied that he's a real alcoholic, begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. Show him from your own experience how queer mental conditions surrounding the first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Don't, at this stage, refer to this book unless he has seen it and wishes to discuss it. 
and be careful not to brand him as an alcoholic. Let him draw his own conclusion. If, if he sticks to the idea that he can still control his drinking, tell him that he possibly can. If he is not too alcoholic, but insists that if he was severely afflicted, there may be a little chance he can recover himself. I never contradict my, you know, somebody I'm working with. I don't. I, you know, if, if they tell me they can eat a certain thing, I'll say, okay. You know, and, and then give it a couple of days and see how that's working. I don't, I don't need to tell anybody how to do or what to do. My higher power gives me the ability to listen, to be patient, and let that person I'm working with, let their higher power into their life and work with them. You know, I, I am not a nutritionist. I am not a dietitian. I am not a therapist. You know, I am, I'm not any of those things by trade, right? What I am is I'm a hopeless, compulsive overeater who has found recovery using the big book. And I will happily share that experience, strength, and hope with you and do for you what, what was done for me. That's it. That's all I can do, right? So further down, it's, we're talking about the first conversation still. Continue to speak of alcoholism as an illness, a fatal malady. Talk about the conditions of body and mind which accompany it. Keep his attention focused mainly on your personal experience. Explain that many are doomed who never realize their predicament. Doctors are rightly loath to tell the alcoholic patient the whole story unless it will serve some good purpose. But you may talk to him about the hopelessness of alcoholism because you offer a solution. I offer a solution. You will soon have a friend admitting, you will soon have your friend admitting he has many, if not all, the traits of alcohol of the alcoholic. Right? So we can identify. I find that identity identity in that first conversation, right? And, and it's such a gift to me to find another compulsive overeater who's suffering, who's willing to work the steps, who who will reread this book with me and talk about it and discuss how it's working in our lives. Oh. And then on page 93, it says, tell him exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he does not have to agree with your conception of God. He can choose any conception he likes, provided it makes sense to him. The main thing is that he be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he live by spiritual principles. I have sponsored so many different religious groups. And most of the time, my sponsees aren't the same religious group as I am. I have learned, you know, I've been shown over the years through experience how to speak religiously neutral, how to be an open vessel for sponsees I'm working with. You know, I always, I always try to say, your higher power is your higher power. When we're talking, Please use whichever terms work for you. You know, and I and I try to listen to that sponsee and I try to use the same terms that work for my sponsee. And when I'm speaking, you know, with my my fellows, I'll use whatever terms for higher power work for me. 
generally. But when, I, when I'm speaking, I always try to just stay religiously neutral because I want to be an open vessel. I want to be the, the person that others feel safe with and will come and say, show me what you're doing. You know, can you, can you please guide me through? That's, you know, I want to, how can I best serve? You know, um, and continues on a little bit lower on page 93. Um, uh, when dealing with such a person, you had better use everyday language to describe spiritual principles, right? There's no use in arousing prejudice. He may have against certain theological terms and conceptions about which he may already be confused. Don't raise such issues, no matter what your own convictions are. Again, it just tells me, speak neutrally. You know, be an open vessel. Your prospect may, may belong to religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. Often this is the case for me, especially when I'm working with somebody that's of a different faith than me. I don't, I don't know. You know, in that case, he's going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to have worked so well. He may be an example of, of the truth that faith alone is insufficient. And here's, here's the line that really speaks to me. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. Well, so I did believe in a power greater than myself before recovery. I did. I just didn't have the second part. Self-sacrifice. Am I being a service? Unselfishness. I, you know, I, most of the time, I'm motivated by self. How do I get out of self? I use the steps. I do what the steps tell me to do. And I ask for help from a higher power. That's what the construction active, constructive active action is, right? I'm using these steps to get out of self so that I can, I can be of service. Right? So, so for me, you know, when I'm working with a sponsee, it doesn't matter what their faith is. It doesn't matter that they probably know way more about their faith than I know. You know, all I can do is show you what I've done in these steps and how that has provided me with the life that I have today, provided me with this, this conscientious contact with something greater than myself, the God that really guides everything I do in life today. You know, um, I, I really try to stay. So we're going to, you know, so we're going to jump back on page 94 to, um, you know, that first conversation again, you know, um, some, some more really good words here. Outline the program of action, explaining how you made a self-appraisal, how you straightened out your past, and why you're now endeavoring to be helpful to him. It is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. Actually, he may be helping you more than you are helping him. That is a very true statement for me. Make it plain he is under no obligation to you that you, you hope only that he will try to help other alcoholics, compulsive overeaters, or compulsive eaters when he escapes his own difficulty. How can you give back to me by giving, you know, for what I, I give freely to you? Do it for somebody else. Be of service. Be that person to identify. Be that person to listen. 
You know, be that person to guide someone through. Suggest how important it is that he place the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Make it clear that he does not under any pressure that he's not under any pressure that he needn't see you again if he doesn't want to. You should not be offended if he wants to call it off, for he has helped you more than you have helped him. If your talk has been sane, quiet, full of human understanding, oh, some beautiful descriptive words for me, some guidelines for me. Sane, quiet, full of human understanding. You will perhaps made a friend. Maybe you have disturbed him about the question of alcoholism. This is all to the good. The more, the more hopeless he feels, the better. He will be more likely to follow your suggestions. Right? Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. And I have run into the sentence numerous times. So what do I do? I look back to the book and I say, what do I do? He may rebel at the thought of drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. So I get to say, I, I, I understand. For me, and I will tell you, the, the words that my sponsor often uses that get me every time was, well, I found that it, this, this is what works for me. I found A, B, and C is what brought me to recovery. You know, and I will jump on those words every single time. Oh, if it worked for her, it might work for me. So I try to say, like, I, I, you know, I don't contradict. I just show in my life, you know, where I was, I was that. I, I, I can identify. I remember when I thought that I could eat a certain food in little bits or in different forms, right? Until the day I woke up and said, I can't have any of that. It took pain. And I'm going to share that. I'm going to be vulnerable and share that. You know, on your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him the copy of this book. I often, you know, I often say, after my first conversation, I'll say, here, here's, you know, go look at this, this, and this. Think about it for a couple of days. And then call me if you would like to move forward. After we've had that conversation about, what is what is me taking them, you know, working with them going to look like? What is my availability? You know, how do, how do I work through the steps? You know, I'll say, well, go read this and then look at it and say, if, if you're ready to do that, and then call me. You know, and if, and that, you know, sometimes they don't come back and that's okay. Or sometimes they say, you know, I'm not ready to do that. And that's okay. And I always say, I'm here when you're ready. I'm here to, if, if you just need an outreach call, I'm here, right? Unless your friend wants, on top of 95, unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. And that's what I do, right? I, I say, okay. A little further down, never talk, talk down to the alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out a kit of spiritual tools for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, um, you will do anything to help. It tells me right here how to end that conversation, how to be in that conversation. I mean, I, I'm always blown away by this chapter. 
there's so many instructions here for me. Like, I don't know how to do it. Well, here, here's some instructions. Um, you know, and then it says, it tells me right here, like, what to do if, if the person is not, not, not ready to work with me. If he's not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as banker or finance for his financial difficulties or nurse for his sprees, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he gets hurt once more. So it's not, you know, it's not so much dropping. It's just, I keep the door open. On oh, whoof, I just looked at my time. I'm not going to get through this whole entire chapter. There's so much, my friends. I'm going to continue on a little bit, but I encourage you to read the rest of this chapter because um, I'm not going to get to it all. You know, um, I, I, I love what it says. You know, it, it reminds me not to push a little farther down. You know, he should not be pushed or prodded. Um, if he is to find God, desire must come from within. I cannot give you, you know, your connection. It's not my ability. I'm a human. All I can do is share my experience, strength, and hope and talk to you about, I'll tell you, most of what I say when I'm taking a, a sponsee through is what I've heard on special editions, is what I've heard from long timers and meetings, is what I've heard from my own sponsor, is what I've heard from other sponsees. It's a patchwork quilt. You know, things pop into my mind that others have said. Things pop into my mind, you know, after meditation. Things just happen. And I think that that's my higher power saying, I got you. I'm going to take you through this. Don't worry. And when I get into trouble with a sponsee, it's because I'm trying to fix things. I think I know the solution. You know, that my ego and myself and my hubris get too big. That's when I need it. It's not my spot. It's not my, the person I'm working with. It's me. And that's when I need to take inventory. And I need to say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And I need intuitive thought, inspiration, or decision. Right? Point out that we alcoholics have much in common and that you would like in any case to be friendly and let it go at that. Now, um, in the interest of you not listening to me for hours, because I could talk for hours about the big book. It has done so much to change in my life. I'm going to um, please continue on. There is a section on family. There is a section on the second conversation. You know, the, the second time you talk to them, uh, how to, you know, how to do that. Uh, and, and that famous line, job or no job, wife or known wife. There is so much good stuff, but I would like to just to wrap up here, um, with, you know, a couple, and I have to find it really fast. So give me a second. I made a note and, uh, the t you know, some more promises. What's going to happen if, if I work intensely with others, both you and the new man, this is on page 100, both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, if you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances Right, And at the very end on page 103, after all, 
our problems were of own, our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. And with that, I pass. And thank you all for being here with me this morning. Well, thank you, Kara, for this beautiful presentation this morning. Thank you for bringing to life some of the gems and instructions that we find in Chapter 7, Working with Others your personal insights and experience regarding carrying the message of recovery is so helpful to us. Thank you. Today's share ID, 18,935. That's 18935 for today's presentation. Of course, Kara's contact information will be offered at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. And we will now utilize the remaining time for questions, so if you have a question for Kara regarding Chapter 7, Working with Others, please press star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Mary B. Do I hear Larry G. and Tamara C., is that correct? Mary B. Mary B. Larry G. Yes, sir, Tamara. Okay, excellent. Got you, Larry. Thank you. Anyone else? Thus far, I have Larry G., Tamara C., and Mary B. Well, let's get started with those questions, beginning with Larry G. Good morning, Larry. Thank you. Larry G, star one to unmute. Good morning. Uh, this is my name's Larry G from California, and uh, Leah, thank you so much for your selfless service. This is such a a vital part of our Vision for You program. Um, and Kara, you did a brilliant job. I really appreciate the fact that you used uh, the Big Book. Uh, and you're using the big book to describe how you sponsor. There's so much literature out there that's non-conference approved that, you know, someone's someone's special way of sponsoring or, you know, um, in the past, before I came to Vision for You, I would, would uh, put my own stamp on it. But I'm just so grateful that you laid out the instructions and especially uh, talking about, you know, why we eat. It has nothing to do with circumstance or feeling. It's our... It's our thinking that gets us strong. So I, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge you and thank you for uh, for your effort this morning. I pass. All right. Thank you, Larry G. Tamara C., we're ready for your question. Star 1 to unmute. Good morning. This is Tamara C. from California. And thank you, Leah, for your service. And thank you so much, Kara. I really appreciate you and I appreciate your your story and your connecting with your higher power to share your wisdom with us. Um, so I would love it if you would share your experience working with a sponsee or a fellow who um, is maybe a little stuck, kind of spinning in a, a painful resentment and you're trying to work with them. And um, like, because I, I know how this is, I've been stuck in a painful resentment myself and, and, um, like, how much do you listen? Because I appreciated you talking about, you know, listening and offering the service of listening. And then how, 
and how soon do you kind of jump in and cut them off and direct them back to the solution? That's my question. Oh, good morning, Tamara. Uh, so good to hear your voice this morning. And, uh, you know, when this question phase comes and you get asked a question by somebody, you already know it's, it, it's calming. So thank you, Tamara. Fabulous question. Um, you know, I often, it's funny you said that. And, and I was thinking back as you were speaking, I said, oh, what, what does that look like? A lot of times I call this um, the tornado. Um, I do this too. Like I'll get in a resentment or a fear or something and I'm spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And my sponsor would say just one thing. What's the most loving action you can take here? And it will slow the spin. And I, and I often use this ter- terminology with uh, people I'm working with, you know, um, the spinning. All I do as a sponsor is stop the spinning. You know, and sometimes I have to, I, I, I let my, you know, not, not let, sometimes I listen to the spin for a while just so that the energy is taken out. And then we, we together, we stop that spin and we, we, we look at the steps and we say, okay, let's step out now. Let's step out of the tornado. And how do we step out of the tornado? Well, you know, depending on where they are in the steps, most of the time it's to write in an inventory. Most of the time it's to identify what's the fear under that resentment that has caused the tornado. You know, um, what is, what is under the tornado? What's, what's causing, what's giving the energy. And then, you know, we, we, you know, we, we inventory it and, um, and in the inventory process, you know, that my higher power, their higher power steps in and helps, you know, and, and, and does for them what they cannot do for themselves, does for them what I cannot do for them. All I can do is slow the spin and redirect. And, that, and that's usually what I do. You know, I, I listen with a heart, and then at some point I help them redirect and slow. And um, the big book tells me exactly how to do it, you know, um, and I'm ever so grateful for that. So, Tamara, thank you for uh, a wonderful question. It's so good to hear your voice this morning. Thank you, Tamara C. Mary B., your turn. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning, Mary B., grateful, recovered compulsive reader in Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you, Leah, for your service, Tamara. Thank- uh, Tamara. <laughs> there it goes. Kara. <laughs> Thank you so much. What a wonderful presentation. I love the whole book, but that's one of my favorite chapters. My question is, it's been worn out, I'm sure, but I'd love to hear your take on it. What if you have a sponsee that just keeps on slipping? Thank you. <laughs> well, Mary B., people are going to think I stack the questions. All these people I love are asking questions. Good morning, Mary. <laughs> um, fabulous, fabulous question. Um, it is like, you know, what do you keep, what do you do? And first thing I do is take a deep breath. And then I ask my higher power for guidance. You know, I keep praying. And I keep, I, you know, this, this new thing I've been doing recently has, has come in my meditation and prayer, which is I just picture that person surrounded in my higher power's light. And, and this phrase comes to mind, send the thought of me to them. And so I take a moment and I send the thought of my higher power to the person and I say, okay, and I say, God, 
I don't know what to do. That's the first thing I always say is I don't know what to do because I think I can fix things. So as soon as I say to myself, I don't know what to do here. And I say, God, please give me intuitive thought, inspiration or decision. Right. Most of the time, you know, how I sponsor is, you know, we read together. Um, there's certain th- writings that they do, or, or I do, I do like to have them listen to special editions and, and, um, read, uh, you know, 12 and 12 and, um, some other things because I don't, I don't want just my voice to be what the person I'm working with hears. I try to get them to listen to other voices on the same subject. So the special editions are fabulous for that because, so many fellows, other fellows have incredible things to say on parts of this big book. So I often refer them to like, I'd like you to listen to this special edition. And usually, you know, I'll say we read, we read together. And then the other things I ask them to do, they do while we're reading together. And I say, okay, you know, I'd like you to have, you know, these other things done before we finish reading Bill's story. And that usually gives them plenty of time, you know, and, and then I say, okay, let me know when you have that done. And I let them come back to me. If somebody's on fire, it's going to take. If they're not on fire, they're just going to fade away. Um, and if, if they keep slipping, you know, we'll go back over their food like it tells me in the book, you know, hey, is there something still? It depends on where they're in the steps, too. I will tell you, I... I I had had sponsees, you know, people I work with who struggled, struggled later in the steps. And I was like, I don't know what to do, God. I don't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, the light came on. And they, I could tell they were recovered. And had I done, had I not asked my higher power, I kept saying, I kept hearing, like in the, with this particular sponsee, I kept hearing, Kara, you might just be there to read the words of the big book with them. So next time they're working with somebody, it's there. What seeds were planted for me? See, this goes back to that line I first heard. Like, I don't know what I, what function am I in and a person I'm working with? Why am I in their life? I don't know. Right? So maybe I'm just there. Maybe the person I'm working with doesn't recover. But maybe something that we discussed or something that they told me or something that was in the big book is next time they work with somebody else is going to be the key. Um, so I don't know. So I always ask my higher power for, for that was a long-winded way of saying, I ask my higher power for instruction, and it looks a little different with each person. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. Thank you, Mary B., for your question. We're posing questions now to our speaker, Kara L. If you'd like to pose a question regarding her presentation, on Chapter 7, Working with Others, this is a great time to do it. Star 1 to Carrie M. M. Carrie M. Carrie Wait, M. Melissa G. Deanne F. Deanne. Roxanne M. Melissa G. <clears throat> Did you get Wendy B.? I do have Wendy B. Thank you. Gordon L. I'm sorry, I didn't catch the last name. Jordan L. Jordan, hey, Jordan, thank you. Hey. 
This list includes Terry M., Melissa G., Dion F., Roxanne M., Wendy B., and Jordan L. Did I miss anybody or get the name incorrect? All right. I'll take that as a green light to proceed with Carrie M. Hi, good morning. This is Sherry M. And I'm sorry, Leah, that I came in and cut you off. Um, thank you so much. I'm gratefully recovered today in California. Kara, that was an amazing presentation. It was so nice to hear you this morning. Thank you. You covered so much. And I just had... I know there's a, a lineup, so I have two-part question. If you can get to both of them, great. Uh, yeah, have you ever had a sponsee who who you know has an amends that they refuse to make? And if so, do you stop the steps right there, or do you continue working with them? That's one question. The other question is, have you ever worked with a sponsee who gets recovered but still has the negative self-talk and you know is just you know beating themselves up still, but uh, you know. Um, how do you help them to let go of that um, sort of self, you know, hatred? Um, that's it. Thanks so much, Kara. I appreciate it. I pass. Good morning, Sherry. Uh, thank you for the question. Fabulous question. Uh, questions. And I've already forgot the first part, so I'm going to address the second part, and hopefully the first part will come back to me. Um, yeah, I, um, I find that the steps do all the work for me. Right. So if if a sponsee who's recovered and, and still in that victim or negative self-talk, you know, we dive back into the inventories, we dive back into the steps and we 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 address, you know, you know, I say, you know, let's see what your higher power has to say about that. Let's get into this inventory process and see what your higher power has to say. You know, I'm always cognizant of the fact that I don't have the answers, that the answers are going to be found in the steps. And, um, you know, my goal when taking someone through the steps is that they have a spiritual awakening, that they find a power greater than themselves, and truthfully, that I become pretty useless to them, right? That their higher power is going to be the central figure in their lives, and their higher power. So the more, you know, you know I'm like a matchmaker, right? Let's find your, your higher power, and let's, let's find that relationship with your higher power. Um, that I just remember the first part of that. See, if I talk long enough, they'll come back. Um, amends they won't make. I haven't really gotten to that point because most of the time what happens there's, you know, we leave those until the end. And by the time we get to the end, um, some form of that amends they're willing to do, you know, and it might be something they do again, but it usually by the time they've done some other amends and they're feeling the connection with their higher power and their feeling, um, all of that, then it usually starts to dissolve. In the meeting, in the beginning, let me tell you, yeah, there's a lot. And there was a lot I didn't want to do. And there's still, you know, I'm still working on, for myself, I have an amends that I just haven't been able to get a hold of the person or see the person that was really hard for me. And I can feel that softening every day. When I, you know, it just came to my mind now and softening. So um, with that, I'm going to move on to the next question. I'm sorry I'm so long-winded. I'll try to be a little, little more distinct, guys. Thank you, Thank Sherry, Sherry. M., for your question, yes. Melissa G., your turn. 
Hi, <clears throat> this is Melissa G from Michigan. Um, thank you so much for your share today. I'm thankful for you and I appreciate you. Um, my question is, is, since the topic is working with others, can you possibly give some suggestions of how somebody who maybe isn't abstinent or definitely not recovered um, and is just kind of trying to do the program but a little bit lost, how can someone like me be useful to others and work with others at this stage of the program? Thanks. Oh, yeah, Melissa, that's a fabulous question. I love it. How, you know, especially how did I help, how did I work with others, you know, and, and practice? Stay on the end of the meetings, get the newcomers' phone numbers, and just say, how are you today? I think for me, practicing my listening skills before I was recovered, um, practicing being out of self, you know. Also, you know, doing service on your meetings, you know. Um, being that person like, oh, I, I'll tell you, there's some people that came into program the same, the same time I do, and I always, you know, did, and we're just program sisters because we came in at the same time and we 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 worked the steps you know differently but we still have that connection and it was just an outreach of like look this is hard and let's just let's just be okay with it being hard and be together and those are people I've known for 18 years and there's still a fondness there so I didn't, I didn't have anything to teach. I didn't have any experience to give. All I had was, I'm suffering too, and you're not alone. And um, so this, this meeting, Vision for You, gives this great gift. At the end of the meeting, the newcomers get on there. And, and I would just call them and just listen, just practice listening, you know, and, and um, being a comfort, you know. Great question. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa G. Dion S., your turn. Star one to unmute. Hi, good morning. This is Dion S. in New York. Hi, Karen. It's great to hear your voice. Um, thank you so much. I wanted to ask you a question that I'm not sure if it is an outside issue, but I'm sure someone will tell me. Um, if a person is um, multiply addicted, um, and they actually are working other programs, um, but are, you know, really struggling uh, here. Do you have any um, guidance about, um, you know, just, um, you know, the fatal nature of this disease, which sometimes is confusing when people have other addictions as well, um, how to be compassionate and helpful? Thank you. Thank you, Deanna. Uh, great question. I know where my strength is. My strength is my experience, strength, and hope in this program. Um, if I do work another program, it's in that program with that focus. And so when I'm working with a sponsor in this program, in Overeaters Anonymous, I, I tend to focus on that. Um, I always encourage my sponsees if there's something else in their lives that they need help with, find someone to help them with that. Um, I can't speak to what I don't know. So I, I often say, you know, you might want to reach out 
and I do have other contacts and other fellowships. And I say, you know, if you want, I can I can ask a person and see, you know, I can't provide that for you. Um, if you're diving into the steps around your food and around that, I'll, I'll do what I can. I'll give you my experience, strength, and hope to the best of my ability. Great question, Dan. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Deanne. Roxanne M., your turn. Um, hello, uh, Roxanne M. from Iowa. Um, I'm a recovering uh, compulsive overeater in and out of serenity and um, currently at a one-day-at-a-time moment. And uh, thank you, Kara, so much. I love your presentation, and um, I really relate to the tornado uh, looking to reach the cord in the center of neutrality here and there. My question is about um, another part of how it works, uh, be more uh, how you uh, interact with a sponsee on this. Uh, my sponsor has sent me to page 70 when I'm feeling a slip and uh, says uh, if substitute sex is to food is very troublesome, we throw ourselves harder into helping, each, helping others. So how does this relate to my question is is this, I find that in the midst of the tornado, sometimes I find it hard to, even as an active service person, to actually, I, I stumble into a blockade of doing service. Um, and I'm wondering how you wrap um, the service into the steps uh, with helping this particular kind of situation with a sponsee. I hope that made sense. Um, thank you so much, Roxanne, for the question. You're welcome. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here today. Um, how do I wrap? Can you can you give me the first part of the question again? Oh, I think she might have muted. Okay. Well, um, stopping the tornado and how do I how do I wrap service into that? And I, and I think what you were saying, Roxanne, is not you know I. I'm a doer. <laughs> so for many years, I in recovery, I tried to fix myself by doing more. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't do a lot now. It just means that my service looks a little different. Um, yeah, you know, I get myself to meetings. I, I pra- you know, I will tell you if I'm honest, everyone, that when I myself am in or tornado, the last thing I don't I want to do is stop it. If I'm being fully honest. And some, and when I get to that place, I know I'm not in conscious contact with my higher power. And that's when I reach out and I listen to somebody else. I got to get out of myself. That's how I slow my own tornado. And sometimes I can't, you know, I, 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 I'll inventory it and it's still not helping. And sometimes I'll reach out and listen to people. It's still not helping. I'll call my sponsor and she'll just say, what's the most loving action you can take? I don't know which one of those things is going to stop the tornado, but I'm going to try them all because I know that in some form, some way they're going to work, you know, because I know when I'm in that, that tornado of self pity, that's what's going to, that, that, that's what's going to take me out and take me down and I'm going to lose conscious contact with my higher power. So um, great question, Roxanne. Thank you. Thank you, Roxanne M. Next, we have Wendy B. Star one to unmute, Wendy. 
Good morning. This is Wendy B. Recovered in Arizona. And I heard you, um, thank you so much for your share. And I heard you mention at the beginning that you had a um, core fear from your childhood of um, not being enough, um, thinking things are going wrong because you didn't um, step up enough. And I can, you know, relate to that fear and um, feeling, you know, over-responsible. And I was wondering if that still surfaces sometimes in your 10th step or if God has totally transformed you and um, if you're not triggered anymore, you know, and if that's the case, you know, what was that process of transformation like? Thank you. Oh, hi, Wendy. Thank you for the question. Um, oh, gosh, you guys, such fabulous questions today. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that not being enough, that took a lot of work to uncover. I'll tell you, it took a lot. And, and I call it my umbrella fear. It's the fear that just covers over all the other fears. So when the other fears come up, they're usually related to that one that I'm not going to be enough and X, Y, and Z are going to happen, right? So yeah, in my step 10s, it often comes up still, like it'll wear its head. Um, today, I have a few things that I do that, that really help me with that. One of them, it's just simple enough as I take a breath and I just say, God, am I enough? And then I usually hear back, you know, I usually get this feeling of intense love and like, of course, baby girl, you're perfect as I designed you or something like that, you know? And, and so that, that's the first thing I do is if, when I see it, I say, am I enough? And the second thing I, I see that, I see that, oh, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to fix, I'm trying so I can prove to the world I'm enough, right? When I get to see that, the inventory process is, step 10 is incredible. Because when I do get a chance to see that, I can say, oh, and then I step back and I say, God, um, I'm doing it again. I'm doing your job. I'm stepping on your toes. I'm not trusting your input. I'm, I'm trusting my, myself, which has really not served me well. So God, please remove this character defect and fear and direct my attention to who you would have me be. And then I usually do a little writing back from a higher power. You know, every time I say that prayer, I'll write back just some two-way prayer from a higher power. And that really helps, helps me with that. Though I will say, Wendy, that over the last few years, it has gotten easier to see when I fall into that fear and that character defect. And it has gotten much quicker to the point where I ask for help from a higher power. Um, but that's simple. Am I enough, God? It really, it really has come with years of practice and it really helps me a lot um, in those moments. That and inventory, step 10 always. Thank you for the question, Wendy. Yes, thank you, Wendy B. Jordan L., you're up with your question. Hey, good morning. Um, thank you for sharing with us this morning, Kara. It's been uh, very helpful and and humble, and I appreciate uh, you and Leah and everybody here. Um, so one of the last things that you talked about was running into trouble with a sponsee. Um, and you told us something that um, maybe I'm not sure that I heard here a whole lot in here, um, but 
uh, aligns more closely with my experience. Um, uh, so you said that running into trouble with a sponsee, um, a lot of times it is something that's going on with us. And it sort of reminded me of um, that uh, piece of the AA 12 and 12 that says um, uh, when we're disturbed, it's something going on with us. And so uh, in regards to like the specific situation of running into trouble with a sponsee, um, how how did you get there? What what was the process for kind of that's sort of the end point, I guess. Um, what was the process for arriving at that point? Thank you in advance for your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. It's so I, I I'll tell you folks, um, stay on the vision for your meetings because you start to recognize everybody's voices and names, and you just feel so comforted when when you hear them. I haven't met most of the people today, and though they feel like family. So um, thanks, Jordan, for your question. Uh, yeah, you know, I getting to try, you know, I am a fallible person. I am human. I make mistakes. Um, I'm thinking back to a mentor of mine in this program who I remember being at a uh, retreat she was leading and um She's like a light that all the, the the moths come to because you can just see her connection with her higher power just emanates from her. And she got up in front of us and she said, um, I can be mean, small, petty, and jealous. And I was like, oh, what? You know, um, it was shocking to me because I had spent my whole entire life proving to the world that I was this amazing person. And for her this just light to get up and say her character defects with just such vulnerability and acceptance. And so it gave me permission to be vulnerable and to accept that I'm going to try and I'm going to make mistakes. And sometimes I'm working with somebody and there'll be something and it sets something off in me, you know, and, um, I have I have a friend who often says, and I keep this in mind, what ticks you off makes you tick. And I always hear that line in my head when I'm having a reaction. Uh-oh, what ticks me off makes me tick. So it's time for me to inventory and to get down to it. And, and as always, I have said to my higher power people, I have said this, God, oh, they're driving me nuts. I don't know what to do. Please give me intuitive thought, inspiration, or decision. You know? And I and I couple that with a good step 10. And I also reach out. Like sometimes I have to reach out to my, my sponsor. Or I have um I have people, you know, you know, people often call it God squad, my soul sisters or whatnot. I have people around the world now. Thank you for, you know, technology and vision for you and other areas in this program where I'm able, if I'm up, I'm up at midnight, I can call Europe, right? And I have soul sisters over there, you know, fellows in recovery who that I can say, and their high power might speak to them to help me, you know, like find out where am I in self, you know, where, you know, and, and my higher power is going to take me through it. I have every confidence that once I get out of my own way and I ask for help, my higher power will take me through it. Oh, thanks, Jordan. That's a fabulous question. 
Thank you. Yes, thank you, Jordan L., for that question. Looks like we might be able to squeeze in one or two more questions. Any other questions on people's minds? One or two. Christina J. Christina. Anyone else? Going once. Nancy R. Nancy R. Yep, Nancy R. from Indiana. That's our two. Thank you so much. Christina J., pose your question, please. Good morning. Thank you, Leah, for your service. So in working with a, a brand new person when they come to you, do you ask the question, are you willing to go to any length to recover, um, or such a question as, are you done yet? Um, and what does that look like for you and the sponsee as far as, you know, my first sponsor in Vision said, we're going to meet three times a week at this time. This is the slot I have available. She worked with a lot of people. I want you to send me your grats every day, three to five grats. Listen to Vision every day. Tell me what you learned from it, one or two great things. Make two calls to two recovered people and send me your food. Not so I can judge and jury it, but so you can be accountable with your food plan. And I was willing to go to any length and do all that. And I, she gave, assigned me podcasts. You know, I didn't try to say, oh, I can't meet at that time. I've got this going on or that going on. I'm not willing to send my food. I don't want to work with a nutritionist. And yet I run into this. Um, and I, you know, there's other things that people say to me. So when you were working with a sponsee, uh, a new one, and you say, are you willing to go to any length to recover? What does that mean between you and the sponsee? Thank you. Thank you, Christina. Oh, good to hear your voice. Um, each sponsee is different and unique. Um, some I might say, are you willing to go to any length? But for me, um, that question is sometimes hard because what is any length? What does that look like? And usually I say, look over this material. You know, we, we'll have that first conversation and I'll do as the big book said, I'll listen and I'll, and I'll give that identity and I'll try to, you know, figure out how I can be of service. And then, as I mentioned before, I'll give them time to think, right? I'll, I'll say, okay, this is how I sponsor. Um, this is what I suggest, you know, you know, and I'll, and I'll say, you know, send your food, you know, I'll say, I, you know, this is what my recovered sponsees often do. And this is what I, and I'll say, this is what I do to maintain my own recovery, um, to stay in a recovered state. Um, this is what I do. And then I give them time to think about it. And I say, go look over this, you know, um, think about this and get back to me if you're ready to move forward. And most of the time they are, because most of the time, by the time they get to me, they're, they're pretty low, right? Um, but sometimes, you know, I've had people come back to me and say, I'm just not willing to do that yet. And I say, okay, you know, come back to me when you are. Or I hope you find somebody else that, that can take you through, you know. Um, please call me. So I, I try to keep that, that, you know, that two-way back and forth open so that we can maintain an open channel. And um, and I move forward. Um, most of the time, like I said, most of the time they call back and say I'm ready to go. Or I might even say, sometimes I say, if you're willing to do to move forward, do this. Call me when you have it done. 
you know, it just depends on who I'm talking to and where they are, and, you know, like if they're brand new to the program or they've been through the steps several times and, and whatnot. I have different questions and different things for them to think about and then come back to me. So thank you, Christina. Fabulous question. Thanks, Christina. And our final question today comes from Nancy R. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, thank you, uh, thank you, Leah, for your service, and thank you uh, for your wonderful share and the and the answers you have uh, given. Uh, I'd just like you to address how do you deal with your sponsees once they've completed the steps, and uh, and and to get them to begin sponsoring. Um, if uh, if sponsees are hesitant about sponsoring because they feel that they are not ready or they don't have what it takes. Uh, tell me, how do you encourage them to move forward? Thank you. Oh, Nancy, thank you from I from Indiana. I'm I actually was I'm actually from Indiana too. I'm a California okay. girl, but I'm from Indiana. So Hoosier. Okay, um, I read Chapter Seven. <laughs> That's what we do, and I and and I point out the areas like, okay, here's some instructions. And I point out those areas, I, you know, like, do you want to ensure your immunity? Do you want to keep your conscious contact, that, that relationship that you're making with your higher power? Do you, you know, do you, this is how I do it. I show them how I do it, you know, and, and we read chapter seven together and we go over, you know, and, and we read those promises and, and say, do you want those promises? You've done all this work to build this relationship with your higher power. Are you willing to keep that relationship with your higher power? And how, you know, how are we going to do that? We're going to read chapter seven. And then I say, look, I'm here. You know, you're going to get stumped. And I'm here and I can share my experience, strength, and hope. And if I don't have experience, strength, and hope in that area, I can be free to somebody that does. You know, I, I have a lot of fellows, so many fellows in this program, right? Or you can get on the, you know, special edition and ask a question, Right. So um, there's so many of us, all those sponsors that leave their numbers at the end of our meetings, call them. You know, you might not need to be taken through the steps. You might need just some help. You know, all of, if you can't get a hold of your sponsor, if Chapter 7 not helping you, call the other sponsors. Call the other recovered fellows and ask for their guidance. You know, um, we're a family. And I often hear... You know, we speak the language of love. I hear that in our meetings all the time. We all want to be of service. I know that that's my, I wake up in the morning and I want to be of service. And call me, you know, I'll, I'll answer. I'll get back to you to the best of my ability. And I'll share my experience, strength, and hope with you. And I know, I know for a fact that there are hundreds, if not other thousands of fellows that will do that for you also. Call us. Thank you, Nancy. Yes, thank you, Nancy R., for your question. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Kara, for spending time with us today and offering such a informative and beautiful presentation on Chapter 7, Working with Others. We appreciate your service greatly. Today's share ID, 18,935. That's 18935. 
It's time to close, and we're going to do so by reading from page 164 in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.